uh, I'm smelling something interesting is the uh, toaster on fire. Yeah. You see, um, that toaster always burns my toast. Fire also always burns my toast. So if I think, oh, the way I'm approaching it, if I have two negatives, it's going to make a piece right. So I'm now setting the toast on fire. I'm going to get the perfect piece of toast. And do you feel it's working for you? Not yet. <laughs> Toasting design, Shaka Shagman, Michael Boyd. Welcome back. Let's look at a... a Can a, butter be used as a, in a fire extinguishing environment? A butter fire extinguisher. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> You just walk the cow up to the fire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking like this foamy butter that you're spraying out onto your toaster. It's delicious. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's going to quickly melt, but you know, those are not my problems. I'm dealing with the toaster right now. Uh, let, let's, let, let's look at problems and how I think students find it difficult coming up with problems. Maybe because they, they get flooded with them. Um, but they tend to lock into what they want to design rather than just problems. And if you just start spitballing, you actually come up with some cool ideas. I've got a, it's not really, well, it's my theory, so it mm. means nothing. Cool. But if you think about, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, every second movie that came out was about zombies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there are these different sort of flavors that go. And mm. I know that, you know, there was the one year where every single student's favorite airplane was the F-22 because of the Transformers yeah. movie. Oh, and, yeah. and then you get years where students have got no idea what Concord is. And things come and go. Yeah. And it's down to what people watch and what they learn and, and all, all that sort of stuff. So a modern kid that, you know, grows up on the internet... If the parent doesn't sort of, you know, ooh, look, Johnny, here's a nice new looking airplane. Yeah. But do you like the colors? How is that kid going to ex- get exposed to, you know, first flights and yeah. uh, and and all the, all the all the stuff for, you know, Mars travel and things like that? Um, and and that has a big effect on how creative you are. Yeah, it does. Not that you can now go blame your parents, obviously. No, you can't. Well, uh, that's what students do, right? Yeah. No, I mean, okay. Well, not that you should be blaming no. your parents. Half of it is not worrying about what the what a person's necessarily going to think about it. Hundred percent right. It's a it's, it's it's a confidence thing. Yes, it, it's just I've got this idea. Have the confidence later to say, you know what, that really wasn't a good idea, yeah. but not right from the start. That's true, and I mean, for in some instances, and we'll go through a couple of really kind of crazy examples just yeah. now. But you'll say something, and as you say it you realize based on the body language and facial expression of who you've said it to, yeah. whether it, it's really, really impractical mm. or else whether they have just dropped the idea that they were coming up and they've just basically used bod mass. They've added or divided or yeah. subtracted or something to your idea. And you can see it in their face like, oh my goodness, you've just given me the greatest idea ever. Yeah. This is exactly what we're going to do. Yeah. Um, and you should never be scared of it. No. Uh, one of the one of the common skills um, to to be creative is is brainstorming, mm. and you might actually try that for one of these. Yeah. So I mean, I, what's, just, what's, the, what's the first one there? So I mean, I've got agriculture in a polar region. Okay, cool. So the first thing with brainstorming is let's just assume we are in what we are, and we're now sitting on these plastic <laughs> these chairs. chairs. Thank heavens they're yeah. plastic, so our butts won't freeze to the steel, um, and we're now sitting. Uh, is is the weather nice? Is the weather horrible? I mean, uh, at the moment it's summer, so um, so it's like a toasty minus two or so. Yeah, a toasty minus. Are two. we uh, north or south? Let's go south. I think in terms of no polar bears. Cool. 
No, yeah, damn it, I was looking at solving the problem. And, and that's maybe something where you've you got to be careful with in terms of these sort of things. I wanted to deal with polar bears. Yes. And if you want to deal with polar bears, okay, fine. I guess you, you, you're now looking in the northern region, but you can't just suddenly forget the southern region. You know, you, Correct. You, you, the, all those alternates. But for now... Let me, let okay, me, so we're going south, so yeah. it, it's a lot colder down south than it is up north. Yes. Okay, cool. Um, but there, there tends to be somewhat more... In terms of supplies and things like that, that's also then an issue for the bases and things. All right, so in terms of the bases, there are way more scientists there in the summertime than there are in the wintertime. Yes. In wintertime, wintertime they run on skeleton staff yep. just because the environment there is not a joke. No, you, you, it's difficult to get supplies. You've got to get all the ships out, they fly the airplanes out. Um, when winter's, winter's really no fun. So, um, if you think about it, if all the scientists arrive in summer, the food needs to be ready for them. Ooh, yeah. That's just the basic problem. Yeah, so massive We're dealing with growing. agriculture needs to occur in winter yeah. for the food to be ready in summer. That's if, if we're not transporting it. Well, that's the thing. So why not just transport? Why not just take it with them all? Well, that's, that's a good point. But it could be practice for Mars. Good practice for Mars. It could just be due to psychological issues. Having fresh food as opposed to packeted mass MRE meals... Yeah, um, I mean, we at this point now, I'd go look up actually what kind of meals and stuff, you know, what, what kind of supplies and stuff they're then taking down. All I know is that for the supply base uh, down in Antarctica, um, a hell of a lot of chocolate bars make their way down there, just because huh. it's so cold. Well, that's it's it's yeah. quick, convenient, and it's got the right sort of stuff in it. Hmm. So okay, moving so, on. So, so what is the the cold region going to be? I mean, I mean, looking at a problem. Problem has the connotation of something negative. Yes. But what kind of advantages does it then give us in that environment? Okay, so let's assume we're sitting in these clothes and we're now watching it, the head it, start to freeze. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're outside and it's really, really cold. What is the biggest heat source in Antarctica? The ground. No. Huh? The sea. Ah, oh, yeah. Seawater is warmer than, than the rest. So oh. there's, your, there's your delta temperature right there. Hmm. And the okay. cool thing about seawater is there's uh, one lowest temperature it can get to. It can't go mm. lower than that. Yeah. So you've got it. You've got it. And in fact, the colder it gets, the bigger the delta T. Hmm. Which means using a thermocycle, uh, it's pretty easy to to generate um, heat from that. Okay. And well, we know it's an agricultural system of some sort that we're going to need the heat. Yeah. Uh, we then have it's it's really cold, which changes all material properties. Yeah. So if we sit here long enough, waiting for a penguin to the, come and the hug us, it's gonna crack. The, yeah, we're slowly gonna, you know, freeze. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Eventually, that. Will so, be. and and all the material properties are are brittle. So things like anything that's that's plastic, in in a gale where the wind chill is you know minus sixty or so, mm. um, if you get shock loads on it, bits of ice and and snow flowing through, yeah. um, it doesn't behave like it would when it's nice and warm. Yeah. So there's the material side of things. There is the weather side of things, not just for temperature, but for wind as well. Wind. Uh, light, the angle is really flat. Yeah. In fact, in winter, there ain't any. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, so that's certainly a problem. I'm, I'm, almost, I'm still, I like to actually go through, if I can, I find as many advantages in the system as I can. Yeah. Um, and by doing that, I kind of isolate, when I come up with a problem later, um, the by having known certain advantages you're saying okay the the problem is cold 
Yes. Okay, well, yes, but we, we've identified a potential heat gradient for ourselves. Mm. Um, is it necessarily the biggest problem to actually solve? And yeah, okay, in that particular case for temperature, yes, it would be. But now I'm thinking in terms of you talking to me about energy. Energy is an interesting one in mm. that uh, solar would definitely be out. Yes. You can obviously use, uh, I mean, salt water. There are things you can do with salt water using different chemical processes. Yeah. Um, the bases are all at the coastline. So the, the use of the ocean for various aspects you is use very a valid situation. That's right. And the other thing is uh, there's quite a lot of wind. Yeah. However, there are some problems with wind. Um, when it really, really blows down there, the wind speeds are insane. Yeah. Like they're the highest wind speeds on the planet uh, as yeah. far as I know. Yes. Um, so you could be dealing with 180, 200, 300 k an hour sort of winds they pick up particulate and that particulate is going to stick to things. Mm. Um, so if you've got a spinning wind turbine, number one, you're going to turn it off where the wind speed is higher than 150. But at that stage, it's just going to become a giant ice lollipop in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, so you'd have to come up with all sorts of crazy alternative ways. And maybe that's where we just jump into it to do yeah. the, okay, what are the ways a, we a get greenhouse, it? you can transport the stuff. You wouldn't need to 3D print components there because no. it's it's on Earth. Um, you can bring them in by ship. You can move them by land tractor. You can put them near the coast. You can, yeah. you can put them where they're not vulnerable to falling ice and, and things like Your that. Your soil things, I suppose, in a way, you could maybe potentially open it up to the sub-zero conditions in order to freeze it so that during the winter months when it's not being used in its full capacity... Grow it and then you just open the doors and freeze it in situ. Yes. In, in situ and then... Right, coming in, cool, close the doors. So let's spitball some utterly crazy ways to generate power. I've got one. Okay. The, the, the wind blows a lot. Yeah. And it's going to collect stuff. What about a giant anemometer, right? Okay. Which is a thing which has got three or four cups and it's normally used to measure wind speed. Yes. But I'm talking a giant one. Okay. Which is connected to it. So imagine like a, a, a water a water hydro water wheel. Yeah. Um, but with a vertical axis. Okay. And basically the 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 cups are on quite large booms uh. and this thing spins. And because it's so large, even in large wind it would spin slowly. And you have the turbine in the the you have the, the, the generator in the middle. Okay. Um, you could also do things like put the cups on skis so they could literally go over over okay. ice there yeah, they yeah. wouldn't hit um, you could have a family of these things mm. um, you could you could stack them up and and the other thing is uh, if the weather was really terrible you could say rotate the cups downwards and just yeah. pull it down to rest on the ice while the wind blowed uh, or blew um well, as, as, as it's like idea. feathering your prop, yeah. Like feathering your prop, but it's it's not a machine that faces the wind, which is why, in terms of the collection stuff, it's not a not a major. Okay. Major well, thing. I was actually thinking, just live with the fact it collects it collects the particulate, and what you have is you don't have a position on the land; you have a position out in the water, and you have half it submerged and half not. So as it then rotates. The particulate that's then built up onto it gets basically effectively so washed you, off. So you're using a water wheel the other way around. Yes. You're using the impact of the snow to drive the thing in the vertical sense and then using the seawater to... The only problem is there your energy you're collecting from the snow is then moving water. Well, I mean, Unless the water's moving as well. The water's moving... So you'd, you know, it would be a case of maybe having some kind of like weathercock situation where the thing is angled with half current, half not... I don't know. Maybe that probably wouldn't in that case work. 
I was thinking of a way of, if this is causing an issue, let it happen. Yes. And then and deal with it. You don't want to obviously have a, a heated system because that's just going to kill energy to try and melt off your particulate as it's building up on your blades yeah. and things. But, but what if you, you did run a thing? Obviously, when, when the wind blows quite hectically, there's quite a strong boundary layer. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, yeah. most of it's quite flat. So if you were to take the idea of that, that the a kind of a horizontal axis machine, yeah. or even an oblique axis machine, yeah. that could even be cooler. And now what you do is you put the, 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 top, the top scoops are basically in the high speed air, and then as they come down, they basically come back to the low speed air. You've actually got an optimized turbine in that the, yeah. the, the, the retreating part is traveling through much lower velocity air than your traditional anemometer. I mean, when I was thinking of a, a, a thing that's almost like a, a treadmill, using that intense boundary layer effect, as the wind then travels, it, it's pulling that sort of belt through. Okay, right, yes. It would self-clear itself. It would self-clear itself. And in theory, well, okay, depending on what the coating is, you'd be able to even build up yourself um, snow walls to protect your base. So it's literally throwing, you can angle it in such a way that it throws particulates and stuff in certain areas. So it's up. basically a... a taking a, a conveyor belt, but instead of powering it to move things, you're using the stuff which would naturally impact on it with the drag due to the wing, sp the, the wing speed yeah. to do that. I think that would work if it had things like drag cups. On. So if you take yes. the anemometer idea yeah. and this thing yeah. to to transport it, that's nice because you can orient it to whatever the wind is. Yeah. If it's gusting, you could even have it on a sort of a swivel, swivel point. You could retract it, you could lower it down yeah. in a storm easy to transport what about i mean and i'm just thinking about other ways of generating energy you the geothermal side i mean antarctica has land mass beneath it yeah um coring down i don't know how far you'd have to actually go and the some places it's really deep but some places uh, the land sticks out yeah in fact some of the bases are built on um basically yeah. plinths that go through the the, the ice because the ice height is a, a, a variable so you're potentially using something like that. I'm just trying to think about the physics. Um, okay, so in terms of brainstorming, let's yeah. assume we're now sitting in the Arctic, but we're in a theme park. Okay. So is there anything that we can use from roller coasters? So the idea of your uh, the idea of your spinning wheel thing, I was thinking Ferris wheel. <laughs> the world's fastest Ferris wheel. Yeah, but that's basically what it would be. It would yeah, be a, yeah, yeah, a, yeah. a horizontal axis turbine where at the bottom people can get on and off. That's the snow falling off. Yes. And then people go for a ride and, and up and, there the and, wind basically blows. Picks it up, blows it, moves it, picks a particulate that carries and power, you know, has a weight element that then comes down at the bottom. That's right, because there's different weight because you've now captured ice and snow at the top and, and so you go. And in fact, a, a, a sort of old-fashioned water wheel running in a stream does exactly that. Yes. But we're just taking it and turning it the other way around. Okay, in a weird sort of way, in thinking about with the um, sort of theme park, I'm thinking like a roller coaster. Instead of having the chairs that people sit underneath or on top of the roller coaster, you basically have a little platform with a sail on top. I like that idea a so lot. So your wind basically then pulls it round. You maybe have it that it's got magnets in such a way that it generates current as it then goes around the track. Yeah, in fact, you could put these where their, their, their return journey is through the greenhouse. Yeah. So you, you're mixing up air, but at the same time, they, 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 you know, there's, there's a zero drag element in terms of getting it back. Yeah. So that is actually a modification on the conveyor belt thing. We're now, yes. Instead of in a vertical plane, we're turning it horizontal. And instead of anemometer cups, we're chucking on sails or scoops or kites or... Some kind of... Kites. 
Kites, yeah. You could do something involving involving kites as well. Hmm. I mean, you, you know, if, uh, how about this? Yeah. You have things. These okay. things have got skis and wheels and whatever, and yeah. they're completely unmanned. And what happens is they are somewhat controlled in terms of steerage, yeah. but they get launched in storms, okay. literally like little toy cars. Okay. Um, but they're just giant batteries. And you just let them go by cart all the way to the next base. When they get there, they then are used to, they've and, and you board. just keep sending them around because they're bases all the way around the coast in Antarctica. Yeah. And you could do them in the water. I'm even thinking of as a potential to that is like a, a potential energy storage system. Wind's picking up, let your kite go out and basically just goes out as far as possible and just drags this wire and as basically maybe unwinding a coil or something like that, winds your generator, then when you don't I, need I'd any- say for an emergency thing you can because obviously once the kite's at full stretch, you either need to let it go because to pull it back in requires the same energy. Or it just collapses up the sail. Oh, it falls down on the ground and you bring it back. And then when the wind's died down, you then have, you know, you can wind it back up. That's quite a cool idea. All right, so let's just do some spitballing maths, which you know we're not good at so early in the morning. Um, And there's butter all over the ceiling. The fire Um, went out, don't worry. So if if you had a thing like this, let's just work on uh, maths for a Land Rover. Okay. Two tons. It's obviously going to need a yeah. chassis. I mean, it's going to get pulled over the ice quite quickly. Mm. And we want it to have a bit more mass to it so it doesn't literally get picked off the ground. Yeah. So, there, yeah. I mean, we'd have to look at a map of Antarctica, but I don't know what the distance is between some of the bases. Some of them are really close and others will be quite far apart. Yeah, I mean, well, let's go on average, let's say 30 kilometers. Okay. okay. So, if you had a, a, a vehicle which had, let's say, a ton of batteries on it mm. and you know that to drive a Land Rover at 80 k's an hour using a, a petrol or a diesel engine is going to require, let's say, 60 kilowatts of what's installed. Yes. If you, and, and that 60 kilowatts is what comes out of the engine. Engine produces three times that for the radiator and heat that goes up the mm-hmm. exhaust. But now in terms of electrical collection, we are using studded tires or a track system or something that basically as you this thing gets pulled over the ice, there's mass to get you the right frictional force yes. to get the right torque through the drivetrain and you know spinning generators and those generators have got like a 95% efficiency because mm. it's sort of all electric. Okay. Um, at, if it gets pulled at 100 k's an hour over a 30 k journey, it's going to take 20 minutes. Yes. We could take the, and we know that it's going to be putting back in about sort of 50 or 60 kilowatts over that time. We can work out how many kilowatt hours would mm. be stored in the battery by the time it gets to to base. Yeah, um, and that's basically how you would start to size the mass. If yeah. if it was a thirty k trip, and we knew it's going to take about twenty minutes on average, we wouldn't go and put in a ton of batteries. If no. in that journey they'd only be thirty percent charged. Exactly. Yeah. We would just do basic maths to work out. We still need a two ton vehicle, so it doesn't get railroaded by the wind. It has to attain this speed because. Um, there's a power term in speed. Maybe also double check the speed because I'm assuming in this case it's the wind that's pulling it. Yes, yeah, so, 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 so the wind would be going at like 120 k's now so and the car would be doing say 60 or 80. Okay, but I mean we'd have to, the wind is not pushing on the vehicle to make it move. It's pulling speed. on the kite. On, on the kite. And the delta so, V between the wind speed and that is how much power you're collecting. Yes. So if, if you've got 120 k an hour wind and you're only going through it at 10, you're collecting a lot more power. Yeah. If you're going at 110 k's an hour in 120 k wind, you're collecting no power. Exactly. So And it would be that resistance in between that is how much power you would get. Yeah. I'm almost thinking, actually, I don't think wheels are necessarily the best way of actually collecting that. Maybe need something more 
So I mean, if you if your wind speeds increase too much, it's just going to overpower that friction, and your wheels are just going to. It would be a very low center of gravity track system. I'm guessing. Yeah. Either that, or the wheels would actually look like um, paddles, or like paddles, paddles yeah, yeah, like sort of good old Ferris wheel thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then I mean, a, yeah, a heavy set of batteries in there, and then you'd have uh, a, a, a spiked wheel to produce as much traction so that yeah. this kite could pull it and you could generate electricity as you go the main thing with that is you couldn't tether those you're not you're not no. going to be running extension cords no, over no, 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 no. 30 k's long Th- that would be uh the energy moves around and you mm. plug into it when you need to in winter there's a problem there in that some human or some bot is going to yeah. have to go outside and then flip and unpack all the ice off this thing and then plug it back in and yeah so that it's not without things but it's, it's a crazy concept which theoretically could work well i mean and why couldn't that work on mars well yeah, exactly i mean that well no it wouldn't work on mars the air density is too low to generate enough wind i mean there's there's high winds there's there, high wind but, but i the, guess the force involved is the, is the force high, would, be, yeah. would be quite minimal um the it's two situations that i'm now envisioning with this vehicle that could go wrong it goes over a slope and now has got a nice big tangent at 45 degrees up Mm. with a heavy enough wind you'd have to make sure that force does is not a thrust to weight ratio greater than one yes you'd, you, you'd obviously have to make sure the thing kind of followed routes exactly. and the cool thing with cuts and things is you can do exactly the same thing you do with um with yachts you don't have to go in the direction no, of the wind you exactly can go parallel to it as long as you you factor in the right kind of side force yeah so you know you, you figure this four-wheel thing but maybe the thing actually has to lean yeah, no, exactly. It's yeah, le- no, leaning it wheels cool. for the kite thing. Yeah, know? yeah. I I was just going to start thinking you have basically a motorbike, effectively, but I think you'd almost want more wheels to get more traction to pull more energy out of what effectively is the ground giving you energy. Yes. Um, so then, then that would solve that one. Other than the fact that if it becomes airborne, yes, you'd need a way to guide it so that it lands in a okay. I'm instantly manner. giggling at this thing starting to look like an American top fuel dragster with giant <laughs> wings to keep it to the to the ground yeah but yes that's certainly going to be a be a factor um, and then i'm thinking just finally you get to the base it, you just basically the the sail collapses except how crazy is this it would be the only car in the world where the wings would have to be put on backwards yeah because it's the air is blowing over the back of the vehicle so yeah. you have to put the wings on facing backwards you have to yeah 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 don't put that thing at a car show all the kids will think the morons designed it inside out shit yeah but are throwing a solution at it exactly but at the same point you might get it to when you start actually looking at the numbers and you you can't evaluate this without numbers you you have to be using numbers (laughs) but you might realize that your sail, your uh, your kite, whatever is your um, energy sort of uh, retract or absorption from the wind uh, might end up being one kilometer in size in order to get enough energy to pull the vehicle um, or the number of the mass thing goes too low so you're not getting enough traction. When those numbers start to play out yeah. like that, then you've got to accept, okay, this is actually not a valid solution. And, and the thing is, you know, um, if you do the mass on the kite, with, with those wind speeds, the kite's going to be relatively small. Yeah. If it was, and, and the Mars case, it, it was correct. I hadn't factored in the kind of low pressure and the low dynamic, you know, dynamic pressure. Yeah. But the kite would be just, whether it was made out of the best stuff NASA had, yeah. it would just be impractical. Yeah. Um, and that's just because the air density was, you know, 
yeah, you think velocity, but then you've got to factor in density of the, exactly. the atmosphere, yeah. and there, there was the problem. On Venus, it would be a completely different story. <clears throat> Not the fact that Venus obviously would destroy the device, you, um, but in the clouds and things. No, if, not if it's made out of unobtainium. Yes, yes, of course. We, we've solved that problem. Thank you. Tick that box and we'll move straight on with it. <laughs> and But maybe that, you know, it's a sort of way when, when looking at problems, you th- you're thinking, oh, I've got to solve it on Mars, I've got to solve it on Mars, I've got to solve it on Mars. But actually, this idea I've come up with is pretty good. It is pretty good. And the thing is, we are still on the thing of growing stuff on on, on, an, on in Antarctica. Yes. Because you'd have to have a portable power system yeah for when the wind didn't blow right yeah um, but that's not to say you couldn't have a, a fleet of these vehicles as your only power supply you just mm. if you knew that the winds literally only happen once every 14 days you just send 10 of these things out and that will give you 10 days worth of, of use or whatever but the other thing is these vehicles could be used for other things so they yeah. could actually be used instead of the the classic snowmobile or whatever going from base to base you could literally have have this thing to deliver the produce supplies or you need to get your doctor from that base to this base because you have to be specialist in cutting out your appendix and here's the cool thing you wouldn't have to use the kite because these individual battery things you could actually use them as the transportation vehicles as a kind of universal thing which makes them kind of cool yeah oh i mean the thing you actually just actually make your entire base mobile you just have bases floating around antarctica around the coastline all on sails this massive you know, one kilometer size sails that are just pulling your entire base on skis and generating energy as you go. Yeah. You don't need to actually ever have them go to any one point. You don't have to worry about them stopping. Set, okay, landing on them would be awesomely fun. <laughs> <laughs> Having a helicopter going 300 kilometers an hour trying to catch up to this huge big sail up in front of you. Well, with what happened this last week, I mean, you know, so you forgot your multimeter back at base, just get the helicopter come and deliver it back to you, you know. Yeah, or oh, actually just launch an orbital rocket and have it like <laughs> land back on top of you. I think I think that's a good that's a good enough finish off then for today. Thanks very much for listening. We'll catch you guys in the next one. Cheers. I like cool idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I enjoy these. Yeah. <laughs> And, yeah, the problem is, like, none of the students do that.